So Dennis, we are still alive. It's a happy happy hour. COVID oh, happy hour. Sorry. Uh, yes. episode number whatever since quarantine we um, uh, here we are you are doing well I see you finally doing uh, good. Doing you finally good. got outside a, got a, your shepherd to shear your wool so that you yes, look uh, uh, I am more or less like a, like a human the, uh, trimmer trimmer for the spring spring cleaning clean out your beard trimmer and, trimmer and dimmer replant yeah whatever Okay. But no, nice weather and out doing some planning and listening to some good music and walking. I tell you, man, there's a trail that leaves Kalamazoo that goes all the way to Lake Michigan called the Calhaven Trail. It's 38 miles long, and it's an old railroad track that's been converted into quite a wide walking path. It's 38 miles with different stopping points and whatnot. Uh, and you walk and my the wife whole thing. and I are doing two and a half miles a day, one way toward the lake, and walking back to our car. So that's five miles. Uh-huh. Tomorrow, we're going to drive to the place where we ended and do the next two and a half miles. Clever, clever. And do two, two and a half miles until somewhere around 15 times, maybe. Uh-huh. And the last two and a half miles, we'll be walking right onto the beach. Nice. Yeah, that's, so a, that's fun. That's pretty similar to a thing that people do here in Spain. Are you familiar with the um, Camino de Santiago, uh, St. James Way, St. James Path? It's a... Uh, it's an old pilgrimage uh, thing that Christian pilgrims used to do back in the day, uh, because at the end in Santiago de Compostela, they have a um, they have some old saints' bones or some crap like that that right. that people think are important to, to travel to, and as such, uh, there is this common thing. Now it's mostly. Uh, mm, sporty hipster types more than actual uh religious pilgrims yeah but uh but there's this idea that there's this path from uh southern france all the way down and around and i don't know exactly the full length of that because no one really no one really does the there is no really official path there are different uh, other ways that you can go and a lot of people do this thing where they they take a week and they walk uh you know uh, 25, 30 miles uh, on this thing. And then they, and you know, that's their, that's their distance for that particular year. And then they go back and they go back to the same spot where they had ended and they do the same thing. Just year like after saying. year. And eventually uh, you yeah. get to the end. Uh, other people do it with bicycles. But uh, <clears throat> what I've heard is uh, no matter your religious tendencies, uh, and I have definitely felt this on, on hikes, uh, just the act of walking, uh, our our ancestors spent so much time just walking behind the person in front of you, walk, 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 looking at their feet, that you can get into this sort of trance state where you're you're just being human, and you're you're just sort of walking and walking and walking. Does that uh, does that even work for you? Since it's not exactly true that I'm human. Well, well, not well. You're close, but. Yeah, I mean, my, the 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 genes that my that my alien overlords have inserted into me uh, sort of light up during that time, but but yes, ah. it's very, I like, there are very few experiences in life, working as someone that works on the internet, 
that where I feel like, oh, I'm experiencing the same thing that my ancestors 10,000 years ago also experienced. Uh, and uh, one of those things is walking a path with someone else in front of you and someone else behind you and just sort of trudging along. And another another thing that I really love about in this in this sort of genre is um, watching waves crash on the beach. Because yeah, because yeah, because yeah. I know that uh, yeah. that our ancestors way before they were even hominids were watching waves crash on the beach. And also the the really mind blowing part of that is that. Uh, that other uh, life forms out there in, in the universe are also watching waves crash on the beach, even though they might be waves of like methane, liquid methane, or or, or whatever. Like they might, it, it might not be water, but somewhere there are waves, and there is a shore, and there are waves uh, crashing. Oh my god! Oh. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Did, did I you just, just my finger went out. My finger went out just as you hit the pinnacle of relaxation. Well, my uh, my trigger finger trick trick. I, 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 <laughs> it's not good during happy happy hour to have your trigger finger lock up, <laughs> and you can't get it out. It, it it's stuck. <laughs> well, but yes, the uh, the the return to our our uh, spiritual selves in a mode of relaxation and here and nowness such as waves bring us and such a, as crickets bring us and running water brings us and a night sky brings us and the yes. same things that, that, that we know amaze us, of course, amaze them even more so Amen. because they weren't, <laughs> they may not have had such as well, historical experiences as we had and, and, and who knows, but, and probably their, their, their fingers don't lock up. I mean, maybe they do. They have like tentacle, they, they trigger tentacle. Maybe they do. So you know what today is? I do. And I uh, I told my kids what today is. Oh, hi, oh. Is this We're finally on our own. Hannah Wickler <clears throat> That will be in the show notes turn, turn it off before we get copyright lawsuits uh, so, <laughs> Too late Too late Yes, 50 years Since, 50 the, years. since the Ohio uh, massacre Since the Kent State uh, eight, eight people dead In Ohio Yeah, I was, uh, I was 17 um, It was a big fucking deal, man It was like and I remember right where I was as many, 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 many whole generation. Tell me where you were. What people do. Uh, we were not too far from Ohio, driving in a car, heading from wherever we lived to New York State. So we were north of Ohio State. But uh, that's when I remember and came on the radio. And, uh, you know, quite the story with uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and Neil Young writing this song because they had experienced uh, a terrible uh, concert a tour problem where Neil Young walked off stage and quit the tour and there was infighting and they were, they were in trouble. I heard he was a bit of a hothead. Just, uh, well, he's, he's emotional and he is driven as he, as he, as, as we all are, but to his extent that he can driven by whatever he emotionally is good for him. So if he's on a tour 
I've heard him say this. Yeah, I mean, uh, this uh, it, it just didn't have the good feel to it. I mean, it didn't seem to me like we were making very good music or we were on the stage. So, yeah, so I just left. I mean, it's like it's not important, you know. And But that, of course, leaving people hanging. But this was a circumstance where after this happened, he immediately wrote this tune, uh, let Crosby hear it. Crosby called Stills, and they got into a studio, and uh, they they did it in two takes. And uh, Crosby added at the end the ad lib, how many more? How many more? Just at screaming it at the mm-hmm. end. And that was what, what was so... But it, the the interesting part about it was is that song is so connected to that because it, ha- it it was written, recorded, and came out on radio before it was for sale. Right. It just happened in a matter of days, and that's what... what which, so, which nowadays uh, is easy to happen. Like, yeah, you can yeah. you can record a thing yeah. tonight and upload it to YouTube tomorrow and it can go viral tomorrow and be everywhere uh, before your computer has cooled down. Um, yeah. But so that was important because it was uh, the cops or or was it uh, was it military that fired the shots? Yeah. Which, uh, National Guard. National Guard. So National Guard call out because of unrest on campus. And, right, and that has know, not that uh, has not happened since. But imagine if we had uh, an emotional song for every school shooting that happened. Oh my God! Uh, you know, yeah, that, that would be well, just like a well, just, greatest hits yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. Well, imagine this. Imagine that the uh, the uh, armed uh, with uh, army assault weapon militia in Michigan go into the legislature in Lansing and crowd into the vestibule, even go to the extent to go up above it in the balcony so that the shot is a man in fatigues with American flag on his back, carrying a military rifle in military garb, absolutely intended to fucking intimidate. It's got nothing to do with fucking free speech. It is protected by the First and the Second Amendments. But the fact of the matter is, it ain't the truth. It's and, there for intimidation. And that that it's there to incite. That highlighted so much uh I mean to half of the country, so much racial privilege. Like if that had been black men in hoodies carrying assault rifles into the oh. Capitol building, oh, yeah. they would have been yeah. uh, mown down in zero seconds flat. Yes. But it's the fact a, that they a, were white dudes It's a uh, white privilege. Yes, exactly. It's it's right white privilege is what it is. Rat whack. Oh, fuck. Well, and you know, the the whole, I watched uh, the two-episode uh, uh, Stone uh, series that crumbles the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s through Rolling Stone, through Jay Weiner, and, and it's it's a wonderful two-part series. And it, it just reminds you again and again how certain certain music was happening and how Rolling Stone captured that moment and wrote articles and had pictures by Annie Lebowitz who... Uh, Leibowitz, who uh, absolutely captured for for an entire generation of people mm-hmm. that moment, and then the songs relatable to that. You know, I was struck uh, the other day uh, when I had heard. Um, uh, actually, it was an interview that I saw, and it reminded me that uh, Joni Mitchell had gone into a, a state of coma uh, or, or very serious medical condition and was pretty much um, a recluse. Um, in healing and trying to recover, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, it in the light of um, uh, Ohio, I listened then to when she came out at an event that was uh, that the song was the event. It came out very quickly afterwards. Woodstock, and the and and her 
her singular piano playing as as she wrote it playing when she was was so young captured and will always be significant depiction of Woodstock and she wasn't there yeah you sent me you sent she me this this there. this clip and it was so I know that song from Crosby Stills Nash etc uh, and so I knew I knew the chorus and stuff but I had never really listened to every single word about like we are stardust uh, billions of years of carbon you know all this stuff that Neil deGrasse Tyson is trying to blow our minds with all the time of like <laughs> man did, like yeah. the most amazing the most amazing fact in all of science is that yeah. we are it, we are the result every atom in our body is the result of an exploding star uh, but she like she pulled all that shit together and then like pulled into this yeah. like and then it like heals my soul and yeah. Woodstock is such an amazing thing and it was just like pff, wow what a fucking so, poet so yeah and and so and she was so freaking young of, like like it, it annoys 21. the hell out of me that that that, that young <laughs> she was writing and, such deep shit in, in fact at the age of twenty one she wrote and recorded both sides now yes. And in an interview that uh, I also I will post uh, in the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 058. 70 year old at her home and six years ago. Smoking and, like uh, 30 smoking cigarettes. Like a, like a, yes. Yeah. One yeah, after another. Yeah. And um, says, uh, geez, you know, yeah, uh, people thought that, you know, they kind of gave me crap about that because, yeah. you know, I was only 21 when I wrote it. And they're like, well, what do you know about it? And 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 so she said, but 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 I'll tell you, you know, and she went into another story. And he said later, he said to her, the interviewer, remember his name. He said, uh, if 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 you are you proud of your work, are you are you proud of your art more than you're proud of your music? You see, you, as you said, you nitpick your music, you hear it and you wonder why you did it better. And when you hear it, so you don't listen to it much. But when you look at a painting, you don't think that it needs another stroke. So are you happier with your painting than you are your music? And she said, well, I try not to be too proud about anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, there were some things that I did that, yeah. And uh, I like, for example, this one this one uh, concert where I play both sides now. And she recorded it probably, I think, check me on this, but I think she was about 50. And I sent you that as the, the three-part mm -hmm. series of the journey with, with Joni Mitchell. And tell me if you can listen to that and not just fucking weep with joy. I mean, it's it's an astounding accomplishment. And it's one of the best 500 songs ever written by anybody's uh, estimation. Yes. It's, it's actually, I, wouldn't, I won't belittle it by trying to put a ridiculous fucking number on it. But again, it's a song that you remember the time of your life when you heard it from her and, and from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, uh, and from um, other artists who did it, uh, yeah, it's a, it, Judy Judy Collins. It's it's a um, all of Joni Mitchell's work, and the interviewer kept calling her Johnny, which bothered me. I'm not sure. I, I would say Joni. Was he Canadian? Who knows? Uh, but uh, all of her work, like I never I never owned a Joni Mitchell album, right? Oh. But 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 man is that it made her work so uh, saturated in the culture that I know so many so, of, of the lyrics when when she so when she starts singing whatever uh, pay for the whatever and put up a parking lot uh, you know that yeah. that sort of thing. Well, and, and she said she said you know she, and and she said I never really liked you know all the stuff that went along with it. I never liked famous. I didn't like it at all, and 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 that's why I don't I don't I don't do it. 
And they said, well, why, why did you do it then? And she said, look, I wanted to make some money. I wanted to get some money away. There's some things that I wanted and some, some things that I was able to buy. I bought my land, I, I, you know, and... And I needed to sow. I needed to. Uh, I needed to sow the hay while while the sun was hot. I yeah, mean, she, she was like just that. so. So she was just so down down to earth, right. you know. Yeah. And and it it brought it brought to mind too the wonderful story that Graham Nash tells about how he wrote uh, our house with Joni Mitchell when they lived together and how poignant it was when he had said, you know, they walked in the house together and he said, uh, hey, she had bought this vase. And we told I told you the story last episode, I think. But, no, I don't think so. But he said. But he said, um, listen, you, you bought that blue vase. Why don't you go out in the yard and cut the flowers in the vase we bought, and I'll go ahead and light the fire. And as soon as she walked out the door, he heard the song in his head, and he went to the piano. But this is what he said that's more poignant after you see Joni Mitchell at about that age playing the piano, is that he said, and so when she went outside, that meant that I got to sit at the piano. <laughs> nice. Because she wasn't at it. Right. And he wrote the song. Right then and there, and that whole, and and so that's another one of those. And, and that's another, amazing. that's another song that is deeply ingrained in my brain. That uh, is just from that time. Fifty years is fifty years is so far away. I mean, I I, I connected with uh, a friend of mine who's who's actually gonna uh, uh, call in in a little bit who I hadn't seen in twenty some years. Wow, and who I knew when I was. Uh, oh shit! Uh, twenty. So it was, you know, a thousand years you ago, know, 45, 40, 46 years ago, and seventeen, seventeen fifties. He's he's a very very funny guy, and 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 because he's a writer, and he he's an observer before he's a writer, and he's funny because as stuff is happening around him, he's got commentary about it, which is pretty hilarious. And he's uh, he's and he's 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 a very funny guy. So he he and I connected so many years ago when I just when I was in college at UNC Charlotte, and and I was up and up uh, coming into criminal justice degree, and I volunteered at a place, and then I, I volunteered at another place. I ended up with people were getting out of prison, and he was he was on the board, and so our meeting together and our relationship with uh, with him, my wife, and uh, his wife. And all our connections with prison were a, an incredible backdrop to me reading his novel Coventry that he wrote um, that captured uh, life from the perspective of a correctional uh, officer working in a North uh, Carolina prison. Wait, wait, wait. And Last episode, you mentioned his that book as being growing up in Pittsburgh or something. Yes. Well, that's another book. Oh, sorry. There's another collection of short stories called The High Heart. Ah, and, I apologize uh, for my show work notes. No, uh, and this and, and so anyway, he's show notes he, work. He's, he's, he's a kind of a writer who when he writes funny, which he does, I laugh out loud. And his short story and then uh, one of his uh, novels uh, and, and many of his many of his works are in, in reflective of his Catholic upbringing and in working class uh, uh, Pittsburgh. And Philadelphia, I think, is uh, connected uh, to him in, in many regards and certain friends that we, we've, we've had over the years. And so when he writes these stories about growing up and he's talking about mother and he's talking about his father growing up in similar neighborhoods, similar uh, interactions with ethnic mm-hmm. uh, kind of historical 1950s, similar eras where we're a year or so apart. It's it's just hilarious. And so I 
I love to 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 listen to him and to, to read his stuff. But he's he's uh, he's a poet, very accomplished poet, which is such a uh, a rhythmic. Um, speaking earlier of the kinds of things that that we go back and it reminds us of our connection with the ethereal side yeah, that's always been with us. Words have this other type of soothing effect when they're bringing images to you and they take you directly away from where you are and what you're doing and just engage you in their imagery. Indeed. That is another thing that's always happened, first with word of mouth and then ri- with written words, sitting around a fire, telling stories. Um, and he's, he's an astounding uh, storyteller. So uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get him on the line here, and uh, you can, uh, you can, we'll, we'll edit out a quick hello and bring him in here. All right. Joe Bethanti, welcome to our program. Thank you, Eric. What a pleasure to be here. You know what, too, and you pronounce my name right, so I, I like you so much for that. Well, it's very, it's the, the, that's the Spanish pronunciation. I get, uh, like, I, I can't pronounce Colorado, but I can pronounce Bethanti. No, thank you. I mean, that means a lot. It really does. Well, you're welcome. Whereas Dennis is anti-bath, you're bath anti. Right. Right. So back in the day, now, there was an episode that I think I might have reminded Eric of some time past, that when I spoke with you last, Joe, was about a party that we had for our, with our friend Jim. And, and we didn't talk about this, but I want you to talk about it because the only, there's not a lot of that night I remember. What I do remember, and then I want you to work backwards from this moment, is going into our neighbor's house and turning every bit of furniture and plant in his entire apartment upside down as if it had turned on its head. But going into it, I can't, I don't, I don't remember a lot. What was yeah. the, what was the setup for that? I think too, Dennis Jack Beep's bachelor party at your house was was a good one too. But and where was that at? That was at your house. Your oh, house. that story's not been told. Mm-hmm. That story's not been told. That's a pretty significant. You should tell that story. You can't just say that there's a story and not tell it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell that story. Our our friend Jack Beep, um, who's still a good buddy. Um, my wife Joan and I talk to him all the time, and this goes way back. Aaron was just, Aaron was little. I mean, he was real little. So yeah. I don't know, right after I first met Dennis. So we're talking like maybe late seventies or something like yeah. that. Um, and we all lived in Charlotte. We were all very young. We were in our twenties. We were like in our mid twenties. We were all working on, I was teaching at Central Piedmont Community College. Dennis was by then the director of ECHO, ex-convicts organization that has since changed its name. So we were all wrought up in criminal justice issues, reentry issues, very passionate, you know, very passionate. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most significant times in my life. Um, my wife was involved in this work um, and we had all come from different places. You know, I had come from Pittsburgh. Jack was from Chicago. Dennis was from upstate Jamestown, I believe, New York. Is that right, Dennis? Nearby there, Dunkirk. New York. Dunkirk, yeah. Um, Marco Beep. from from Cleveland and and you know that other Mike Beep. was there too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then our friend from our, Pluto. From and then our friend Jim Beep who was from Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the Philadelphia stalker. So when I showed up in Charlotte, you know, looking for the South, the only guys I hung out with were from like Philadelphia, Cleveland, New York, all around me. But it was a great crowd. We played basketball. We goofed around. So Jack was going to get married. I was already married. Dennis was already married. And Jack's still married, so this and is the, the the big uh, counselor, the big dude. Yeah, yeah, you, 
Shoe. Shoe. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. His name was Shoe. And for sure, we called him Shoe. Yeah. Um, you know, like an H with the uh. Yeah. He um, was, he was, as it turned out, he was the spark yeah. that might have lit the gasoline that night. Yeah. I think he was involved in an opening knife incident. I think it was. I, 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 but am I right? Part of it had to do with my beep brought. His girlfriend, beep. remember her, Dennis? Oh, vividly. Okay, so vividly. we're having a bachelor party. We're playing poker. We're drinking, all this stuff. Dennis's wife, beep, and Aaron are gone, okay? So it's just the guys. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just acting silly. We're drinking. We're playing poker. And there's a bunch of gifts for Jack, too. He's getting married. I mean, he's getting married the next, the next day, the next morning. And beep, I think was maid of honor too. She had an official role there, right, Dennis? She had some role. I don't think it was that. She was in the she was in the, you know, the retinue of of women right. matching. Right. 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 Um, this guy Michael Beep comes in and he has his girlfriend with him. So everybody starts, you know, catcalling and acting silly about a woman coming into the to the bachelor party. Somebody somebody might have remarked, uh, Michael, you didn't you didn't get the memo? Right. And right. and you know who it was? It was Chef. Yeah. It was the big, the big, uh, big counselor dude sitting around the table. Yeah, he was giant. He was giant too. And I think Mark B might have been there even, Dennis. I'm not sure. Was Leon B there too? I know. I don't remember Leon B. Renegade people there, but the core was there. So they, they like the, the young woman B. She leaves because of the reception she got. And after she leaves, somebody finds a blanket or a sheet or something, puts it across like the doorway of the room we're in, and tacks it up with steak knives. <laughs> And then that's because she was in the kitchen. Yeah, maybe that's they it. were having words because she was saying, What the fuck? And right. And like she was pissed at him. Right. Because he didn't say, Hey, let's go stop in to, you know, a friend of a friend's uh bachelor's party. He right. didn't. So she was giving him shit. So Michael's trying to be smooth as a, and they go in the kitchen. So they drift in the kitchen and they're gonna talk. And Hya gets up, and the reason that he blocks it off with the big blanket and the steak knives is to block her off okay, see from that. the house yeah and that's when it started to get out of hand she went through the curtain and left and somewhere along the line and i don't piece it all together that curtain a wall near the curtain ended up with a hole in it this big that to fix it the next day before my wife came home because i hung the curtain a picture over it right a little low <laughs> i think too then things began to devolve rapidly after that. It's all, it's kind of blur. What I, do, what I do remember is there was a painting on the wall that was painted by Dennis, by Deep's first husband, okay? So we get wind of this oh, no. and, we begin, and we begin to, um, you know, oh, no. kind of give Dennis the business. Like, how weak are you? You have, you have a painting by your wife's was, husband. It was a photograph. It was a photograph with real heavy pixel uh, uh, so it was very large, but it was of my wife. So, so, and I kept it and loved it because she looked beautiful in a very um, reminiscent way. And it was poignant from the fact that he fucking took the fucking portrait and I had the picture. And, and not only that, but and, I had his wife. And the woman. And right, the woman. Right, right, and the woman. right, that's the way I saw it. But they would hear none of it. Yeah, so they were merciless. It ended up, I don't know, it ended up smashing, sure. Well, here's what happened. It, it You know, we did see it a different way. Like, how, how, how weak are you? <laughs> you have your, your keeping <laughs> possessions of, like this. And so we set up, the, we take the painting, the photograph, and it was, it was large-ish. It was big. And we take Poster it, size. we situate it between, like, four chairs. And Dennis dives through. Do you remember? You, you dove. Wow. Yeah, he dove head, 
head first through it. And then all, all mayhem. All mayhem. All, all mayhem broke. All mayhem. So who actually took Aaron's crayons, put them, put them oh. in the oven, melted oh. the kid's crayons. Yeah. But my favorite part, I mean, which I thought was brilliant. Um, everybody grabbed Jack's presents and ripped them to shreds. Sure. Opened them up and yeah. ripped them and ripped them to shreds. Yeah, ripped them to shreds. We have pictures of that. Yeah. With and then um and he was, at one point he looks and he says, Oh man, I would have wanted that one. Yeah. And then we all left to go eat. We went with steak and so eggs. They, they weren't presents, they weren't presents that you had brought him, they were presents that other people had brought him. Well, we had oh. all brought him to this okay. and then we just ripped okay. up the stuff we brought him. It seemed okay. appropriate. Jack took it well. Um, and then we got, I remember getting in the car with a bunch of guys. Jim was in the car, I was driving and going down whatever street it was Dennis lived on and 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 taking out every single trash can you know it was the night before people put their trash out so uh -huh. we just like mowed down every single trash can um this and i should say this was a different me i've learned my lesson i don't think i've done anything wrong since then but that night was bad um we went we ate everybody got home safely the story is and dennis could could talk more authentically about this that when Beep. came home she just said get out get you know get out get out and i think dennis spent the night in the car or something you know oh no actually actually the scene was was thus coming back still drunk if i was at the restaurant the only thing i know is this you weren't, I in, the car. You weren't in the car with me dennis so so i didn't go to the restaurant i stayed behind and somehow a wheelbarrow had been used probably through the back door of the house into the house and out the front door so it was now in the front yard and it was falling off the steps kind of and it was holding the door open and i was in it and passed out when he came home and and the house was wrecked man there were holes in the wall i mean the telephone the telephone at it it, it it there's two versions of the story one i remember one i don't but i know that i had to get a i had to talk on the phone with someone had smashed the phone with their boot taking their boot off and smashed the phone off the wall and I had to piece it all together and I put some nails in the wall so that all the wires strung and I had it resting a certain way and the receiver part was on the floor of the bath of the kitchen beneath said painting which was put back and I was speaking in the phone saying to beep hi everything's fine what are you huh? what, uh, you, you, yeah. can come, you can stay out a little uh, longer if you want hi. what what uh what time what time do you think you're getting home speaking Speaking high, a voice of pre-castration. Pre Hi, what time are you getting home? Well, then the uh, next morning at the wedding, all the women were mad at, you know, they were mad at all. Joan wasn't curious. mad at me because I, I, I thought it was the voice of reason, except for the trash cans later on. Egged on, egged on. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mess with any of Jack's gifts, and I don't think I did any vandalism because it was Dennis's home. Well, I just, I just, just an angel. None of, none of that. None of that's true. No, no, no. None of that's true. He did all those things. Beep. You know, did all those things. I, I, I vaguely remember you with a pair of my wife's underwear on your head. No, so. I wasn't. I don't know. And that's the other thing that they did. They went into, into those, um, into lingerie drawer. And Who I was that? Never. Who did that? Yeah. And beep. Maybe those guys. That's not my style. I wouldn't have done that. I really. No, no you didn't do that. Wow. So there, there, there's a story. Um, no, we used to have some pretty crazy parties at Jim's house too, because he was a bachelor and he didn't have a wife. So that, you know, all of his, I, I, I remember some, somebody, it's like August turning the thermostat up to like 400 and then ripping the thermostat off the wall. So that it just, <laughs> what a horrible you know, prank. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. God. I, 
I, I didn't do anything wrong for the most part. It was well, a wild times back then. Memory is the mother of the muse, Schwanzy. That's quotable. Right I'm, leave, I'm actually going to leave you with that. I'm going to I'm going to take off because I got to do something for Joan. I got to go to the bathroom desperately too. Good to meet you, Schwanzy. God love you. Lovely Your to meet you too. Both of you. Both of you. Love you, Joan. That was very good. Uh, I can't believe Dennis. What man? Why do you no, jump through put pictures like that? It's a, it's a depravity of a young man. Depravity a, of a youth. A youth. That could be our, that could be our, our episode title: Depravity of Youth. But, but you know, when Joe tells his story, it's and, and I know these guys, and I picture them like, yeah, Hugh, the guy who was responsible for stabbing the two steak knives to 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 hold up the cloth, which was which is where it all started. I mean, who among us has not stabbed two steak knives into, into the wall? Really. <laughs> He and the thing was, he was he's, he's, he was a counselor. He was a therapist. And so he, <laughs> he was, it was like he was mild mannered and he was a big dude. He was big. Right. And, and people liked him and followed him. I mean, you know, he was a leader. Yeah. You know, he was well liked and a big dude and big dudes. I mean, it gets your attention. So when he did that, I don't know who it sparked next. I can't <laughs> remember. But anyway, wow. that's so long ago. And, and, and what, you know, what, what I can't believe you survived those years, Dennis. Yeah, to I to know. arrive at this ripe old age, with so great to hear some some you. faculties still intact. So we here in Kalamazoo, and part of the wonderful uh, period we're in now is that the blossoms have all come out on the trees. So the wonderful dogwoods have given away to again the tulip, oh good the tulip tree and white crab apples and uh, unbelievable uh, shades of lilac with uh, red, uh, uh, cherry trees and white cherry trees and in and, and this land of, of so many trees. Do you have a lot of trees in your in your neighborhood, in your town? Uh, yes, and this past weekend we have, uh, the restrictions have been lifted to the point where uh, adults can go out during certain windows of the day from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. or something uh, where we can go out without our children to exercise and Lord, has that been glorious to be able to walk yeah. at the pace that I want to walk and not have to, you know, drag my children behind me, uh, kicking and yeah. screaming, so to speak. Um, and yeah. so we've done a little bit of that. But yes, it, it has been so, so glorious spring, just pure, uh, joyful, you know, the sort of days that make you glad to be alive. Uh, they've been just lovely. Uh, as for actual naming flowers i don't know that i can but uh there have been uh you haven't seen uh you haven't seen stranger things because that's on netflix uh i've seen a lot of Stranger things well oh aside movie? aside from joe's story uh yes uh there's in stranger things there's this um uh this is not a huge spoiler uh there's what they call the upside down where it's an alternate universe where it's like it's our world but like flipped upside down and yeah. in that world is where the scary monster lives. But also in that world, they do this special effect where there's where there's these uh, these little uh, pieces of like huge motes of dust that are sort of floating in the air uh, down all the time, and just as a visual cue to the to the viewer that oh now we're in the now we're in the upside down. Uh, but uh -huh. but uh, the other day in the park, uh, the the sunlight was 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 away from me what the sun was pointing towards me and uh there were some trees between me and the sun and there were these little uh little motes of uh you know tree seed uh 
floating around. Pollen. Yes. Well, not pollen, but actual little floaty, floaty tubers. And, uh, petals? No. Flower petals? Seeds. Seeds with... Uh, a little early for seeds, bro. Spring. Well, s- something done being sprung, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and there were all these things floating around, and it's, it looked Far very out. much like... Far out, man. <laughs> I know, and those things are like floating. Yeah, man. Floating your eyes. And it's, so that was happening. Wow. But it, uh, it's been very, very, very lovely here. Um, you know what I like? I like, like when they're floating down and you like... You like feel like you're inside of one. Yeah. And, and instead of instead of looking at one, you're looking from inside of one. Whoa. And you're looking you, you're looking and you and then you look for yourself and you're like you're not there. You say, Whoa, where am I? And then and then you say, Well, I'm inside here now. And then you see your friends and then you blow away, man. I am the seed. Blow away. I am I am seed. I am the egg man. I, I am the walrus. I am seed. Cuckoo, cachoo, cuckoo, cuckoo, cachoo. Wow, man. Yeah, well, hey, man. So uh, I, I, I got into a, doing a surfing on the, on the, on the net. Surfing and on the interwebs. A Cheech and, Cheech and Chong uh, roast and watched it long enough to see them introduced. And they uh, actually, they showed on stage a 12 by 20 foot bag of marijuana. And the top opened 12 up. 12 by Chong. 20 foot bag <laughs> of marijuana. And twelve by yeah, yeah, twelve by that's well, at least maybe eight, eight, maybe eight yeah, by twelve. Okay. It's and, it's a mattress. It. It's a mattress of marijuana. With the marijuana climbed out, they were introduced. So, Classy. you got to know how Classy. long ago that was too. I mean, these fifty years. It's like so. How old were you then? Fifty, 50 years. Ago. Fifty years ago. Uh, yeah, I I weren't. What were you? Minus what? Twelve? No, I wish. In counting. I mean, what year are we talking about? 50 years ago. So we're talking about... Uh, 1970. 1970. I was minus eight. Ah. Huh. You're that old, huh? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. 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 Because as they're listening to somebody displaying something, their eyes will dart something, to someone a, displaying something. Uh, something's displaying something. Displaining and instead of listening, explaining. Explaining. Okay. They're explaining. And uh, and then when the guy, the newscaster, knows that it's time to come back, he says, no matter what the person's been saying, he says, uh huh. Just like that, uh huh. And then they're ready for their next question. And what a huh means is shut the fuck up. Whatever you've been saying, you know, uh huh. And the guy could say, and so there we were, and, and you know we couldn't believe it, and and you know the president was talking about UFOs, and one had landed, and it came out, and it took us custody, and then it dropped us off a couple of days later, and ever since then I've got a fucking uh, ankle growing out of my forehead, and the newscaster supposedly hearing all that just turns his eyes back to the camera and says, uh huh. Now, the other thing that I have to ask you about, it just, you know. I mean, after 50-some episodes of this podcast, I'm very much aware of that uh, trick. Like, I do that very, very often. What trick? Well, when you're talking, then I cut it off in the edit, and I say, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. So many of your stories, so many of your stories have been uh, truncated. (laughs) 
over the years. Truncated. Well, that's not a good. I've never heard. I've never heard the podcast, so I, uh, better, I can only imagine. Better, better as such. You're talking earlier about uh, Joni Mitchell and what she said about how uh, any recording that you listen to of yourself back, uh, you can always see places where you could have done something better. You could have, she said, uh, we could have improved that baseline, or we could have uh, right. punched up this particular uh, track or, right. or whatever. Why, why, why did why did I give that word so much resonance? Why right. did I do that? And it reminded me very much of a. Um, of one of my favorite podcasters who is a rock musician that uh, that has recently gone back and remastered some of his older work. And uh, he talks about how uh, you can always, like, there... I can't imagine... I can't imagine being a painter. Uh, like, okay, so with a, if you're an author and you write a book, uh, at some point you have, to, you have to say, okay, there, it's published, it's, it's off... Maybe you can go and revise further editions or whatever, but you know that first run is is off. And the same thing goes with uh, with with music, with albums or whatever. Like that album is printed, and that is the way it is. And it must be because you can always go back and look at work that you've done and be like, oh well, I would change that little bit or I would change that little thing. And that's one yeah. of the things that's nowadays with online publishing, with blogging, and that sort of thing. Uh, if I go back and I look at a blog post that I wrote 10 years ago and, you know, something that I wrote comes like doesn't make a lot of sense or I, I, I could have used a better word, I can go and immediately edit that. And as far as the world, right. the, as far as the world is, is concerned, my new edit of that post from from 10 years ago is the the official record of that. But with uh, but with music and books and things like that, you can't really do that. And I, it also reminds me of back in the day when, because uh, I, I write software for a living, uh, back when you used to have to publish, like you would you would work on a, you would work on your program and then you would decide that it was finished, and you would uh, and you would say okay this is this is version two or whatever, and you would burn it to CD and you would send it off and it would be shipped in boxes or whatever, and nowadays. Uh, because software can be updated instantaneously from the internet all the time, you can ship stuff that isn't quite 100% perfect, but then you can, you know that you can go back and repair it and it's going to be automatically downloaded. And the the ideal, uh, the pinnacle of this is your web app, where every time someone comes to visit your application on the, on the web, uh, they're getting the latest stuff that you might have uh, changed yesterday. Right. So that's, right. it's such a, it's such a relaxed, like before, like even even now with video games, when when you release a video game and it goes out on a cartridge or on a on a DVD or whatever, uh, you have to test the shit out of that to make sure there are no mistakes, no bugs, no nothing, uh, in a way that you don't with other stuff that you know that you can quickly fix a thing if someone finds, if it, finds it's, an error because it's online and alive. Right, uh, and yeah. and that's that's that thing that that Joni said really struck me of uh, that's it must be sort of tortured to go back and listen to a thing that you thought was perfect 50 years ago uh that's or or in her case i don't think she ever felt that way yeah right exactly but that, you never think that it's perfect I, yeah but but someone is pushing as you someone as someone so someone is pushing you saying hey we need to release this uh you know this is good enough and at some point you have to be like well fine you know i would love to spend another 15 years working on this album but uh if you think it needs to be published now then okay so 
that's a, a conundrum of the creative arts. So well, I'll tell you that a highlight of my like when we release these podcasts, uh, I just have to say, well, fuck it, this is as good as, as it's going to get. Uh, I can't, right. I can't edit down which, Genesis which mistakes is, any further. It's been proven to be a fairly low bar. I mean, <laughs> stuff is said, move on. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when I went to go see uh, uh, Bob Dylan um, in uh, in one of his tours, I may have mentioned it prior episode where he was one of six electric guitar players, and he did everything he ever ever wrote and everything that was current in electric, and I loved it. And there were people who were pissed because he wasn't playing the old tunes the way that he wrote the old tunes. But the warm-up band for Bob Dylan was Joni Mitchell. And she came out on stage by herself with an electric guitar strapped over her shoulder. And she walked up to the mic and she started playing her guitar and didn't stop for an hour. And Hell yes. It, and it was, that was it. And it was fucking remarkable. Remarkable. And, that's, and the simplicity of it and her genius was... You know, in her paintings, if you look, I mean, you can post her paintings and, and whatnot as well. But some of them of her land up in British Columbia are just uh, are just astounding, just astounding. So I hope I wish her well. I, I think about her. She was, I have a really solid memory, solid in quotes of being somewhere in the past two years where Joni Mitchell was was going to give a concert. It must have been somewhere in Spain. And uh, how like, long ago? I think in the last couple of years and I had like I know, just yeah. missed, like I, I saw the poster like two days after the, the concert had been, or the concert was going to be in two days and I wasn't. Uh, but so she would, she would have been 74 years old two yeah. years ago if I had my, so she must've been traveling in Europe. And I mean, one would think, you could check that, one, right? one would think that I, I did some Googling, but all of that uh, search engine optimization has been taken over by Ticketmaster. And anytime you search for uh, famous artist uh, tour dates, they 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 have taken that over such that they say, well, in 2020, there are no tour dates. Well, thanks, but that's not what, not what I was looking for. But, oh, I see. But right. anyway. An auto-reply. Uh, yeah. But it, uh, it's... I remember... I remember that and thinking that, wow, that I was near some greatness, but uh, whatever. Rock of ages, bro. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. Or ages of rock. Whoa. Age. Did that just blow your mind? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Well, thank goodness that weather is good. Oh, God. And thank goodness we can get out. Michigan is opening up a little bit at a time. Nurseries are open. Golf courses are open. I, every time I drive by a golf cart, parking lot's full. Everybody's off work. Everybody who's golfing is golfing. And the weather is glorious. So I'm going to call up and look. There's no carts. I think it's all online. There's no exchange of money. You go on the course, your point in time, you get in line, your time ticks, you go. Mm -hmm. I'll be out there with a pool cart by myself. I got to get lumber. I'm walking a lot, but I got to get stretched out in lumber. Limber. Limber. Lumber up. Lumber up and lim limber up those limbs. I'm a limberjack and I'm okay. Slim, slim Jim. Yes. So the um, the hanging on the rim. The first day. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a song coming on, or should we continue? No, just a story. Okay. Uh, our first day of uh, being able to go out uh, as adults without kids 
uh, it was the places where you could walk were just like uh, ants. Like it was, we were all still like uh, two or three yards away from each other. But and it was a conga line. But it was a it was a conga line. Yes, as you almost said. Uh, hey, 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 get it started. Get the conga line started. The COVID huh? line. <laughs> the COVID conga. <laughs> no, the COVID conga. Bad, bad idea. Huh? Yeah. In groups of nineteen, uh, uh, nineteen uh, couples or singles up and down the line every uh -huh. nineteen, and the contest, film it from a helicopter above with one guy. You know, six feet away, the cameraman. And the COVID conga nineteen. And then, after every so many measures of the of the conga beat, we uh, stop and do the uh, the the mime in a box routine. Yes. Yes. This is mix it up. This is this is gold. This this is gold. Comedy viral international gold. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It'll catch. It might catch on. Well, I mean, know. if if listener two or three uh, goes at it, then they could, you know, really start something. Bum, 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 listener bum, one, you you can't do this. Well, you ever done the uh, conga in public or private? Probably with you would be private with a couple of. I have. I am not a conga. Creatures. I'm not a conga virgin. No, I have conga. <laughs> well. You've taken it into another dimension. Hey, well, you're not a conga virgin. So what are you, a conga slut? No, or is there something in I don't between? just conga with anybody. I conga with known uh, individuals. I'm a, oh, well. I'm a, hey, uh, hey. <laughs> what? So, so uh, my, uh, in our family, we've had a, a new child born. So Holy cow, to, uh, new child born. Here's to, here's to Una. Una. Una Gabrith. Wait, well, how do you Una how do you Gabriel. how do you pronounce that? I mean, how do you pronounce that? How do you spell it? Una. U N A. That means one in Spanish. I know. It's the first child. And the next is going to be dos. Tony. Una, dos, tres, cuatro. No. Uno and Tony. Eh, Tony. Tony. Eh, Tony. Eh, Tony. Hey. Oh, so I told you. So uh, wait, 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 wait. Did you just episode. have your second what? grandkid? No, 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 no. This is a uh, our nephew and our nephew. Yeah, he doesn't count. Whatever. Wife, the mother of. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Una. Wonderful. Don't. Una. 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 One. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we we yeah, have this we have, this we have this thing that 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 annoys the shit out of me, uh, and this is a super. Uh, this is not a woke point of view, but in like in like we don't we don't really have this in English because if we have, if we want to say, um, let's see. Uh, in 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 Spanish, if you want to say to everyone, you say a todos. But we have this sort of uh, feminism creep in Spanish now where. Because if, if you were saying to everyone and it was only women or only girls, you would say a uh, todas as opposed to todos. But uh, but now we have this thing where our uh, the our teachers that are sending us uh, stuff and sending us little voice messages every day for our kids, uh, they say, uh, and I'd like to give a, a, 
you know, a virtual hug to todos y todas. Like, to everyone, to, to all the males and all the females. In a way that is just, to everyone and everyone. But, like... To everyone and everyone. It's, 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 it's broke, like, I understand that it is uh, the patriarchy that has made it so that the, so that the male, uh, so that the masculine form is the form for men, for men and women. But, uh, but it's just so bizarre that we have to really make a point of saying to all the men and to all the women. So why did they come up with a new word, Man. Uh, a word with a different ending on so it? So in, in, a new, a in new English, uh, huh? all of the uh, non-binary people have uh, taken advantage of the fact that you can define your pronoun as being they and them and their. So uh, people that don't identify as male or female, you know, you say, uh, I went to Dennis's house and they gave me some guacamole or something. Uh, as opposed to using the word he or she or whatever. <clears throat> but in the... Yes. You'd say yes, they, yes. they uh, even though which it's is, one person? Yes. So it's but, a replacement that, for he or That she. is a legitimate thing if you don't know... if Previously, before all this wokeness, that was a legitimate thing for someone that you didn't know the, you didn't know the sex of. You said, somebody called me and they said this. Like they was never plural in that sentence. It was, it was, I didn't know who it was. Right. Uh, but uh -huh. so in this case, uh, the, the non-binary uh -huh. people are claiming they and them and their, uh, in this way, but in the romance languages where the pronouns and the adjectives and everything is gendered, that's gotta be really hard. Like if you're, like you can't be you can't be uh, yeah, mixed yeah. gender in the romance languages. Like you're either you're either alto or you're alta uh, to to be tall. So uh, like there is yeah. no mix there. So it must be really complicated. I, and I don't right. I don't um, I know some transgender people online, but not anyone that is that speaks Spanish. So I don't really I uh, can't really say what that's like. But it's super complicated. And anyway, uh, somehow I got into this uh, type. Uh, gender spot and I would like to leave now. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> consider it consider it done. We'll just move on. So speaking of things that are irritating, which is where this started, I've told you earlier about the Tell walk. Me. Well here's my irritation. irritation. Corner. What person what person what person does this? They go on a hike with their dog. They get in the car. They bring bags for the poop. They put the dog in the car. They drive to the place or they walk to the place. They put the dog on the leash. They put the bags in their pocket and they go for their walk. La da 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 da. Dog does its business. They oh, I know where we're going. Pick and then they drop the, the fucking poop, bag on the ground. The bag, and then they fucking throw the bag. No, they throw it into the woods. Not very far into the woods. Just far enough that in the winter, when there's no leaves anymore on the bush where they threw it, yeah. thinking how clever they would be, you now see a bag. Now, here's the science of it. If you were to take that poop, instead of putting it in a bag, and pick it up with your hand, or in their case, with their fucking jaw, and drop it off to the side, it would decompose in about a year. When they put it into the bag, it's going to take anywhere, depending on the thickness of the plastic, and then the extreme end, it would be extreme, anywhere from five to 450 years. 
In the case of those light plastic bags and the weather, they'll probably be there for four years before they drop off, and then they'll be on the ground for another three or four years. This is what, so what person goes to all the trouble, get the dog, get the bags, go to the bag, go to the got it up, load it up in the bag. You would think at least they would put it on the path where they had to come back It's to pick it up. It's the sort of person that one that if when I guarantee you, when the dog is doing the business and they like they could look around to see if anyone was looking and and but they need to have the bag there in case someone is there looking. But then once you have it in the bag, then you can make sure there's a time when no one is looking and then you can throw it away because you don't want that. But but it's but it's so self So here's the deal. But don't bring yeah, don't bring a bag and, and get shit all over your hands. Don't bring a bag. Bring a hard piece of cardboard that you stick in your back pocket. In a, in a, in a, a, yeah, but piece, you want to you want to be seen. You want to be seen with the bag as if you're up. responsible. But then, oh, and oh, also, right. You know, the bag. You can do that thing where you like grab the shit and then, uh, you know, reverse it out. So, I don't know. It's just like. Uh, hey man. It's just like. Man, shit, man. Why are people so shit, man? Did we go a whole shit. episode shit. without mentioning a particular leader? That's impressive. Shh, 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 stop it! Stop it! Oh, let's let's oh, keep going. Let's, oh, no, 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 let's, no, we, we can make it. We can make it. No, the, the deadline no, is right there. No, no, We're gonna make it. Oh my god! Fuck! No, so just one image. I'm sorry. Just one image. Just one image. One image. The Lincoln, the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, on the, the 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 large open area in front of the Lincoln Memorial, up on a up on a pedestal, holding up this monumental uh, work of, of of Lincoln in a chair, is Donald Trump and two interviewers from Fox. And Trump said a lot of things over the course of that so-called uh, town hall meeting, but it doesn't much matter everything that he said, because in his own absolutely inimitable fashion, he manages to say the one thing. That is so stupid that it means that nothing else will be remembered about what he said, because there might have been some things that he said that were moderately made some sense. For example, now that there's 63,000 deaths, mentioning that his projection of 60,000 is too low and it may be 80 or 90, but he personally saved one and a half million people. Uh, but uh, but but he he takes the occasion and he says, nobody's been treated worse than me. Nobody. They said that this guy up here Putting was treated bad by the press. But me, I was treated worse. And you wanted the interviewer to say... In what way? Uh, just to be clear. Worse than being assassinated? Uh, yeah. President Trump. Worse. Uh, Lincoln, this guy behind us? Huh. Well, you... He's, he's not. He's, he's never going to go to a theater. Sentence? That's for sure. I mean, that requires Why would a he? taste of art or Why would he? drama. Well, he has a taste of drama, but yeah. Oh, I think of that. Disgusting, disgusting. But anyway, you're right. We hadn't talked about him. Well, thanks for ruining that. Why'd you bring? You should have brought it up. What did you think would happen when you brought up his name? That I that I wouldn't. I, I didn't I bring up his name. Flash immediately. I didn't. You you alluded. To his name, you you alluded to him. I alluded you, to exactly, a leader, you, it, and you, you no, no, seem no. to think you that exactly I was referring to someone that's not a leader. To me, 
you exactly communicated to me that we hadn't spoken about Donald Trump. True or false? There True are many false. leaders in the world that we've not referred to. Caesar, <laughs> you lying Hitler, sack of shit. Uh, oh, wait. That's an interesting analogy. You lying sack of shit. Let me continue. Flung from the hands of a dog-walking imbecile on the Calhaven Trail. Bag of shit. Huh? You. You. Oh. You. Bag yeah. of shit. Well. <laughs> I can imagine hanging a bag of shit from the big toe off your forehead, making it you'd be like led around. You'd be aversive to the smell. You'd walk backwards until you fell over dead. <laughs> <laughs> try to get, the opposite of the, of the, of the dangling carrot. Trying try to get away from the smell. You walk backwards so you fell into a hole. <laughs> broke your neck. Well, <laughs> is that not a metaphor for this entire podcast? Me I, walking backwards I, until I fall into a hole. I break my neck. No. Oh, yeah, break yeah. all three of your ankles. Don't break you, all three of your ankles. You don't have any uh, songs to take, take us out with? Uh, uh, some sort of Joni Mitchell well. uh, rendition or... <laughs> fascinating thing about both sides now is when uh, Judy Collins, uh, friends of, uh, dear friends of Joni Mitchell, and she uh, recorded it. And uh, we, we should we should probably close down with that. Although I've got to tell you that uh, the guitar player, uh, we need to check her out, who did uh, Ohio. Yes. Uh, and see, see what else, see what else she's done. Well, Dennis, I've looked at from both sides now. You've looked at this episode from both sides now? It ought to end. And then somehow, it's the episode's illusions I recall. I really don't like this at all. <laughs> That's a positive note. Yes, thank you very much for that. And thank you very much to Joe for his participation in this episode. And Yes. Yes, we I, will. Uh, we'll link to his stuff. And listen, he was the uh, poet laureate for the state of North Carolina, and received some remarkable uh, honors uh, for his poetry. His latest uh, work of, of passion is to teach writing to veterans of uh, all wars, uh, largely Vietnam uh, War. And I attended one of his writing classes that he did for prisoners, former prisoners, and their family members. Mm -hmm. And I recall so vividly in that class a mother and a son, uh, each, as it turns out, wrote a story about his first night in prison and his as uh, he heard the cries of a man being raped in another cell and hers about how incredibly worried she was about his first night in prison. And they each got up and with just Joe saying, write down several powerful words that come to mind, tell a story, use those words. He had them writing this stuff in minutes Holy shit. And they each uh, stood up and told their story and not a not a dry eye in the house because the mother heard the story of the boy yeah. for the first time right. because he had never uh, 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 wrote it. And, ha and and I'm sure while she knew it, she did not know what he had uh, written and, and how he wrote it, which was which was poignant and painful and, and scary, just frightening. And so her emotion when she responded with her story and 
and, and broke down and they hugged afterwards. You know, it's just a remarkable break breaking into that 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 self of ours that goes back all of our centuries, all of our lives, the things that binds us together, our communication and our spirit. So on that, adios, amigo. I think I'm gonna, you know, hey bro. That was dark and deep. Hey. Hey, hey. Crack open the doors. Hey, hey, babe. Hey, hey, baby. Love you, man. See you next week. That does it for episode number 58. Thank you very much to Joe Bethanti for his story about Dennis's wild youth. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 058, where you can find links to all of those music artists that we discussed. And you can support us at patreon.com slash happyhour if you'd like to help us make this show. And with that, we'll see you next week.